covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Fantastic to have you with us. We come your way for another week's worth of Brewers talk. Brewers struggling right now, especially at the plate have a number of key players injured and that is impacting their ability to score runs and then that is impacting their ability to win games and that's going to kind of be the theme of this week's show we'll get to that coming up in just a moment or so our housekeeping items here at the top of the program as normal if you want to get in contact with me best way to do so is on twitter at matt Pauley on air m-a-t-t-p-a-u-l-e-y on air and if you listen to the podcast on apple podcast subscribing to it is great ranking and review is great all of that helps the algorithm and more and more people find the podcast but if you don't know do any of that stuff and you still just listen every week i still very 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 much appreciate you maybe you don't listen on apple Podcasts. maybe you just go to wtmj.com and you go to the brewers extra innings uh, podcast page and you just click from the player in there that's great that's perfect you find us and that is what matters on an every week basis and with the post game show uh being posted on uh this feed as well on a really uh, everyday basis is when you can find uh some version of this podcast all right so things aren't going great for the brewers right now if we're being very honest and very blunt about it injuries hurting this team especially at the plate uh, they have had Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas on the injured list. They have been without Luis Urias for a couple games as he's dealing with a thumb issue that's impacting him more in the field than at the plate, but still he has not been available. And with that, it's just it's been a little while since they've played good baseball. They played uh, really good baseball on that uh, Monday, this past Monday, when they played the doubleheader against the Cubs and swept the doubleheader. But since then, they lost the final two games against the Cubs. Then on Thursday night, they pick up the win against the Padres, but they did almost nothing through eight innings and then came away with one of the most unlikely wins you'll see when they put together a rally in the ninth to get the win. And then they end up uh, losing the final three games of the series against the Padres on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, respectively. And now they go into an off day on Monday, a really important off day for a number of reasons before they welcome in the Philadelphia Phillies for a three-game set beginning on Tuesday. I think a couple things can be true. And by the way, our featured conversation this week is with Scott Warris, the host of WTMJ Nights. You can listen to that 6 to 9 on WTMJ on evenings where there's not uh, Brewers baseball or Bucks basketball or something else uh, going on that results in him not having a show. So he doesn't do quite as many shows uh, during the summer as he does uh, the rest of the year. But Scott's going to be with us coming up in just a few moments. We've already recorded that interview, so I'll say something now that you'll hear me repeat later on. A couple things can absolutely be true. It is 100% true that the Brewers are not playing good baseball right now. Uh, we're not going to spin this. We're not going to try to tell you, well, if you look at it this way, it's actually okay. No, they're, they're not playing good baseball right now. At the plate, they are having a hard time scoring runs, and they're just they're not winning games right now. When you play good baseball, you win games. They're not winning games. But that doesn't, to me, that doesn't really mean anything about who this team is or who they're going to be as the season continues to move along. They are playing without three of their most important players when it comes to run production. You can make the argument that Willie Adamas is the most important player on the roster. You can make the argument 
that Hunter Renfro is maybe the biggest addition to the team this year. And he had uh, some big shoes to fill considering the production that they got from Avi Garcia last year. You can make the argument that Luis Urias has been the most impactful run producer in everything that he does since he finally got going after he had to start the season on the injured list. And those guys have all been out for obviously for Adamus and Renfro. It's going to be it's been a little bit longer, but uh, they played the weekend a couple games over the weekend without Urias as well. After he played in a game and had to be taken out when that thumb injury just got to a point where it was it was pretty clear he wasn't going to be able to make some of the throws and the the residual impact that this is having. I think it's a big deal that the lineup is depleted, so the guys who are left in there. Some of them are not seeing the same type of pitches that they see when there's better players around them, and that's impactful. What they've had to do at the shortstop position, uh, just from a defensive standpoint, uh, since not having Luis Urias. You know, Mike Brasso's on the injured list now, but he's not a great defensive shortstop. Pablo Reyes isn't a great defensive shortstop. So it's, it's the domino effect. This team is being impacted in so many ways, and we haven't even talked much about the pitching because the pitching is holding up, at least from a starting pitching standpoint. I would argue relief pitching has been pretty good, and there's been some guys making their major league debuts and coming out and doing a nice job, but the team has Freddie Peralta on the injured list for a long time, August, and Brandon Woodruff's been on the injured list with an ankle issue. They've had to insert Jason Alexander, into the rotation he did a really nice job in his uh, first major league start and first major league appearance but this team is just they're banged up and they're missing they're missing core players I mean, you think about some of the key members of this team when we're talking about Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff and Hunter Renfro and Willie Adamas and Luis Urias like, these are not the 26th guy on the roster these are core members of this team that are going to contribute to this team winning baseball games, and they're just not around. So, yeah, that that sounds like an excuse, and I understand this whole thing about oh, we don't make excuses, and that's something the that Craig Council has said uh, the last couple days as we recorded this on Sunday night. He said it after the game on Sunday. He did said it after Saturday. Everybody plays one sixty two. Everybody goes through stretches like these. Yada yada yada. Like I get it. Okay, it's not so much an excuse. It's a statement of fact. They build this team. There's players on the team that are expected to perform. Those players get hurt. The players that you have to replace them with are not as good, and therefore your production goes down a little bit. I, I don't think I don't think that's excuse making. I think that's just giving out facts. So all three of those guys could be in the lineup on Tuesday. None of them could be in the lineup on Tuesday. I think at least two of the three will be back. It's Willie Adamas was running first to third on Sunday. He's going back in for more treatment on Monday. It sounds like he's ready to go. He played in uh, minor league rehab games at, at Carolina and Nashville. Hunter Renfro has made it pretty clear that he's ready to go. Uh, sounds like you know they're utilizing the off day on Monday. Like Some of these guys who maybe could have been available on Saturday or Sunday, you finally get that off day on Monday. You just give them a couple more days, and then that maybe helps them get uh, their, you know, whatever, wherever they're at on the healthy scale from 1 to 100. If, if they feel like they're good enough to be activated at 70, but you can get them to 85 by waiting a couple extra days and it only cost you one game, then you do it because then maybe that helps keep them off the injured list uh, moving forward. I would, ex- I could be wrong on this. I could be totally wrong on this. I'm not, 
Uh, I'm not like 100% sure on this, but I think, personally, I just believe that Willie Adamas, Hunter Renfro will both be in the lineup on Tuesday and probably Luis Urias uh, in there as well. Of the three, I'm probably least confident about Urias just because the injury is the one that is most recent. It's also the least impactful, just in the sense of he probably doesn't have to go on the injured list. It's got the uh, shortest recovery time to be able to come back. But that's where they're at. I mean, injuries are just a big deal right now. And I'm not trying to make this the let's make excuses because the team doesn't have everybody uh, show today, but that's that's the bottom line here. They just they don't have everybody. So take the off day on Monday. They end this stretch without an off day. I mean, their last off day, their last off day was all the way back on May 19th. That was after that home series against the Braves and before they opened up a series against the Nationals. This is a long time to go, and there's a doubleheader in there as well. This is a long time to go. What is the 18 games in 17 days or whatever it is? That's a that's a lot of baseball to play without an off day. Now they've got some off days coming up. They're going to have three of the next four Mondays off, which is good. Uh, they've got another three-city road trip to go uh, coming up, and then after that they're going to be playing a whole lot of home games over the uh, final three or so months of the regular season. So things seem to be turning around now. It's worth mentioning the Cardinals have been on a a pretty good run here recently, and with a win on Sunday night, they came back to uh, knock off the Cubs on uh, on Sunday night as they were able to score a late run and and force extra innings and then eventually uh, win the game. It's now a half-game lead for the Brewers in the Central. Brewers have had a big lead in the division. Cardinals have made a run. It's now a half game, and the two teams are even in the loss column at this point in time. I've always thought that it was going to be a battle to the end in the Central between the Brewers and the Cardinals. And, again, a lot of baseball left to be played, but uh, the Cardinals have basically caught the Brewers, and we'll see where things go from there. All right, so if you listen to WTMJ on weeknights, and there's no Brewers baseball, and there's no Bucks basketball or something else that uh, might be preventing this guy from doing a show, you hear WTMJ Nights. The host of WTMJ Nights is Scott Warris. He is a frequent visitor here to the Brewers Extra Innings podcast. So let's get to uh, this week's conversation with Scott Wars. We're talking baseball. Klazuski, Campanella, talking baseball. Fire Council! He's a bug! This team can't hit. Who's their hitting instructor? Is Andy Haynes still employed? Fire him anyway! Start, start trading! Let Stearns go to the Mets. Let David Stearns go run the Mets. Nothing's changed. Fire counts out. He's a bum. We do indeed welcome Scott Warris onto the program. I think he has just made history. He becomes the first guest in the history of this podcast to have a uh, an intro just for himself. Hi, Scott. That's uh, that's impressive. Now, again, just like just like the. Um, the caveat that we had to add when you played that on the radio airwaves a week or two ago, uh, we have to again include the caveat that those comments by me, yes, I made those comments, but they were intentionally meant to mock the meathead fans out there. Those comments came after the Brewers lost the opener this year at Baltimore when they I don't know if it was, it was a shutout or they had one or two runs. So, again, those comments, while they are my voice, and I did make them, 
they were done in a satirical way, strictly, to mock the people who call for the head of council and Stearns and whoever the uh, hitting coach may be in a given season, which perhaps after this series against San Diego, some of them are doing. <laughs> so maybe it comes full circle that way. Yeah, it come, comes a good time. And let me, the, we, we have a worldwide audience here on Brewers X Turnings, the podcast. Oh, wow. And really? yes, yes, we do. Many countries are represented in our listenership. So let me just add a little bit more context to it. On Thursday nights, when we do Brewers Weekly, you and I do a little crosstalk beforehand, seven fifty or so, and you have an intro for me. So mm-hmm. there was a day where I was doing Brewers Extra Innings, and then you were doing an hour of WTMJ nights. So uh, our good friend Greg Hill put together that. Just as kind of a joke, since you always have this intro for me, I felt like I should have an intro for you during our crosstalk. It was impressive. It was well done. And I did not know you have an international audience, so let me welcome those of you listening in Canada and to those of you in war-torn Ukraine. We stand with you here at WTMJ. Fair enough. Um <laughs> You were at Ukrainians listening. Maybe I don't know. (laughs) Okay, we probably don't have any Russians listening because I'm sure this, along with many other things, are blocked in Russia, right? (laughs) A lot of things are. Yes, I don't think Putin is allowing this to go through. I'm sorry if that hurts your feelings. You can't buy a Big Mac and you can't listen to Brewers Extra Innings the podcast. Yeah, those are the two things right now. (laughs) The Russian people are suffering too, Matt. They are. Big Macs in this podcast and Starbucks. All right. um, You were at the game on Sunday, and you had not been to a game for quite some time. Now, you you are an avid watcher slash listener of this team, but it was pre-COVID the last time you actually stepped into what was then Miller Park and is now American Family Field. Well, actually, I had been to a game, uh, their last home game. I went to the finale two Sundays earlier against Washington, where they also failed to score many runs. Um, But yeah, but so basically, yes. I mean, I've been to two games in the last two weeks, which were my first post-COVID games, the first games I've been to since 2019, uh, probably. And it wasn't all because of COVID. I mean, it just... I would have gone last year, but for one reason or another, things just did not align. But uh, yes, yes, it was it was good to be back in the old ballpark. I think there's a lot of people listening to this podcast. Maybe not a lot of people, but certainly some people. That there are people who have not yet gone to a game post COVID, and you know whatever people want to do, that's their thing. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be judgmental, but it doesn't. You walk into the ballpark, and it doesn't really feel like there's any uh, pandemic-related things. You see an occasional person wearing a mask, but outside of that, it just it to me, it totally feels like what it was like prior to COVID. Oh yeah, oh for sure, yeah. It, which is which is kind of amazing in some ways. <laughs> it's it's like the last basically two years of our lives. We just kind of I don't know, just entered some sort of little uh, ripple in time, and oh yeah, it's like nothing ever ever happened when we're in those uh, venues and things like that. Although, although you know what I did notice, which was not the case pre-COVID, was the cashless entity that is AmFam Field. Like a lot of, you know, Fiserv is the same way, a lot of cashless uh, facilities. And you know me, Matt, uh, I have Mr. Cash. I am Mr. Cash. So, so um, when I've gone, I've utilized the, uh, they kind of like you get to put, you know, you put a, 
I don't know, $50 bill in the machine and they give you like a, a $50 debit card to use in the stadium. So I have been using that uh, that method. That's the only thing that has uh, struck me the most, you know, since I was last there. So the guy who comes on after you on weeknights on WTMJ would not be happy because Dave Ramsey is Mr. Uh, do Everything with Cash. Oh, is, yeah, I guess he is. Yes. You know, I, I haven't had the chance to talk to Dave much. We don't get a chance to do crosstalk like you and I do. Uh, he's he's very anti-crosstalk. It's it's a whole thing, but it's fine. My show ends and he starts. Um, yeah, I've heard that about him. I've heard that he is he is pro cash. I am pro cash as well. But uh, yeah, I, look, it's I'm sure the business model shows they're not losing much. Otherwise, they wouldn't do this. And I get it. It's the way of the world and things like that. But. Uh, no, I was trying to – you know what What did strike me, though, at the, the stadium? I was looking around, just at some of the advertising – and you're at every single game for crying out loud. Um, like the advertising that changes from one year to the next in the outfield, and, and they're, you know, they're, they're, they're changing stuff up in the stadium all the time. Um, I feel like there's less outfield uh, advertisement on the back walls. You know what I mean? Like I felt like I could see out, out the, uh, the panels – Hmm. more than ever before they used to have like a lot of advertising kind of clogging up that view out there does that sound right does that sound accurate to you yeah but i feel like i don't know if that's happened in my time or if it's before that like to me it almost feels like i've seen photos like i can remember seeing photos with like a big block journal sentinel uh yeah, advertisement yeah. kind of covering up where the panels are i don't i don't know if those have been up in my time uh, okay. But I'm not sure. I'm seven years in. I don't, I don't remember a lot about what the place looked like seven years ago. I mean, the the big things that I can remember over my years. I remember the year that the official TV sponsor went away from being TMJ4, mm-hmm. and I don't know who it is now. Is it, uh, it CBS? Okay. CBS 58. Okay, so because I remember walking in, I'm like, oh, the the TMJ4 logo is gone. Oh, they're <laughs> not because that's a that's a pretty prominent logo on the scoreboard. And then this mm-hmm. year. They moved away from Pepsi and went to Coke, and there's a lot more Coke stuff around. So I've noticed that. You know, I I feel safe in saying this, but if you were to go back and look at opening day of 2001 when the stadium first debuted, I believe if you look at advertisement and advertisement placement that the only advertisement and advertisement placement that is still in the same spot from when the stadium opened is the UW-Milwaukee advertisement banner that is right above the back wall, in essence, of the visitor's bullpen. If you look at pictures, that was right there. I mean, it's changed colors and font in, oh, a couple of times. But if all the advertisement everywhere in that, stadium that's a good question for schlesinger one of these days i believe that's the only one that is still there and still in the same spot from when it opened that's interesting i um you know potawatomi casino doesn't have an outfield wall sign anymore but they have the um they have the entrance that they sponsor actually it's the entrance where the media goes in now we don't go through the loading deck any loading dock anymore we go through a, one of the standard entrances which is the potawatomi entrance and when, when you walk mm-hmm. in there's a huge potawatomi logo off to the right. right side now it used to be when the brewers would play the braves and the then indians potawatomi right. would cover up 
their logo. So when the Brewers played the Braves this year, I was curious if they would do anything with their logos around the ballpark since they don't have an outfield wall sign anymore. But no, everything they did not do anything oh, with that. They just left yeah, it out it, there. That's the gate through which I've entered in my two games this year. It's it's the it's the right field corner gate. Yes. Right by the offices. Uh, which, by the way, for, for the fans that listen to this podcast, no, 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 don't, don't say this, Scott. Why? Because I like my easy entry into the ballpark. <laughs> I was just gonna. That entrance is the has to be the least used entrance of every other entrance. You, there are lines. I don't know why everybody goes in the center field gates. I mean, people, what do you do? Even the left field corner, the old Fridays corner, not Fridays anymore, I know. Uh, no, That right field corner, I mean, there is nobody ever line. I've never seen a line there. So we will see about the power of this podcast if now in subsequent homestands you show up and you're in a line, and then we'll know it's just a very popular podcast. I should but edit the last minute out. Cool. <laughs> little does Warris know that part didn't make it onto the final podcast but um yeah that uh so they did not cover I, I wondered that so they did not cover up any of the Potawatomi gate logo or anything like that when the Braves were here they did I wondered not. about that yeah I, I, hmm. I wondered about that too I, I took special notice of that when the Braves were in town uh-huh uh-huh huh. yeah. all right let's talk uh let's talk a little bit of baseball before we let you go <laughs> The team offensively is really struggling. Uh, people, like, both of these things can be true. The team is not playing good baseball. They're really struggling offensively, and it doesn't mean anything because right now the team is playing without Willie Adamas and without Hunter Renfro and without Luis Urias, and all three of those guys might be back on Tuesday. Like, I've had a hard time with the postgame show because we yeah. – Everybody wants to like be really angry about it. And again, I'm not trying to tell people the team is playing well. They're not. They're they're playing some some bad baseball from an offensive standpoint. But what what do you expect when three of the most important guys when it comes to scoring runs are not in the lineup? I, you can't get. Ma- I, I I'm with you. I mean, here the we're taping this the the day after a, the uh, tough extra inning Sunday loss to San Diego, and it's you want to be mad. I mean, I'm frustrated, but they just have to endure this stretch. Now, maybe in hindsight, this will be the year where everybody is always hurt and they will suffer because of it for the full six months. Well, we'll see. But, I mean, more likely than not, everybody's going to get – everybody goes through these stretches at some point. I, I, I remind myself, and I think fans that are upset, and understandably so, remind yourself – with the exception of Freddie Peralta, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, none of these injuries are a, a long-term problem right now. No. And all these guys are going to be back and going to be back sooner rather than later. So you just have to endure this. I mean, I, I was thinking, if if they win the game against San Diego, the finale on the Sunday, then they would have gone 6-6 uh, six and six over these 12 Three straight four-game series: St. Louis, Chicago, and San. And instead, they went uh, they went uh, five and seven, right? Yeah, five and seven. So they're one game below five hundred in the last twelve. 
with all of these injuries, and that that's kind of the best you hope for right now. I mean, just maintain, just maintain. St. Louis, I mean, they're always St. Louis, and they're going to cardinal at some point this year. And that by that I mean they are going to make a run at some point. I'm not willing to dismiss them like a lot of people are. So you just got to just maintain, just keep your head above water till these guys come back and and, and, and and see where you are then. I mean, I understand the frustration too, but you just, I mean, not a lot of teams are going to have winning records when you pluck out as many guys as, as, as they've had plucked out of their lineup because of injury right now. Yeah, and, you know, I think like a, a, a lineup is organic just in the sense that everything plays into the next thing. So not only are they missing those three players, but a Rowdy Telez is not seeing the same pitches that he was seeing before because of who else is in the lineup. So not only for me, like I, I almost feel like the impact is double when you're missing that many guys because you're missing their production, but you're also missing the production from the other players that those players help contribute to. Yep. That, no, that, that that's a good point, just in terms of the pitches you see or the pitches you don't see, depending on who else is around you in the lineup. Um, you know, I um, from a pitching perspective, though, uh, let me turn the table on you. I usually end up asking you questions during this podcast, it seems like more times than not. Um, are you at all concerned about Burns? I mean, I know he's not getting any run support whatsoever, and obviously he's not the Burns of last year. Although, was it fair to anticipate or expect him to be as incredible as he was last year? Do you have any reason for concern at all about Corman Burns? No. I mean, to me, he had that one start. The, here's why he wasn't good his last time. His, his cutter wasn't working. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I'm going to be close on this, but I'm probably not going to be exactly right on. I think he got 23 swings on the cutter his last start. And he only got three swings and misses. It was like three of 23 swings and misses. If that's oh. what he's going to have on his cutter, then he, he's not going to win. Like, that's the pitch that he has to be able to comp- command every time out. And then he can, whatever else happens to be working, he can use. So, no, I'm not concerned. Now, I, I didn't ever think that uh, those guys were going to be able to completely repeat what they did last year. And Vinny Rotino brought this up on Brewers Extra Innings the other day, and I thought it was a really good point and something to monitor. So this is a Vinny thought. This isn't a me thought, but I'm going to steal it and, and take it from here on out. He made reference to the fact that last year the Brewers went with the, the six-day rotation all year long, and he thought that really benefited the pitchers. Well, with the Woodruff and the Peralta injuries, you don't have that option now, even with Jason Alexander in the rotation. You're stuck on a, on a five man rotation, and you only go to a six day if there's a if there's a day off. And Vinny thought that that could have a negative impact on pitchers this year compared to their performance of last year. And I think that is worth monitoring as the season goes along. Hmm. Would that be something that would be impactful on them all season long, or just you know? to the midpoint or so because i realized you know spring training was funky again this year so that i mean i guess i didn't think of that too um hmm. and i did hear well you know this but i mean i think it was burns who said after his start against st louis when he was lights out obviously a couple uh, a week or so ago that he had not yet mastered his cutter like he was i think he said maybe in the post game that he was still trying to find find it at least to the degree where he found it last year. 
So, um, yeah, I guess that that is, that is a bit uh, reassuring. But, you know, it is, if you're not hitting, like everything else is magnified. Right. If you're not hitting, then suddenly it looks like not just are we firing the hitting coach. If you're not hitting, then suddenly people complain. They look sluggish. They look slow. They look like they don't care. They got to hustle more. It's just, I think you and I talked about this last year at some point. It's just always so funny how if a team isn't hitting, everything else looks bad around it. Oh, the pitching, they're not making the right move out of the bullpen. Why didn't go back to the San Diego finale? Why don't they bring Hayter out for the 10th inning as well? They're off the next day. You had a day of rest. I mean, everything, it's just funny. You don't hit, and suddenly everything else is questioned and just looks off because of that. Yeah, you mentioned Hayter. It's a weird thing to me because, and we've been dealing with this from the moment he became a brewer because early on when he was a brewer, the uh, it was why isn't he starting? And then it got to a point where he was going out and getting you four, five, six, seven, maybe eight outs, and he wouldn't be available for two days, and it turned into, well, why isn't he available today? And now we're at a point of, well, why isn't he, uh, why isn't he pitching more than one inning? So he has been a dominant force from the moment he became a big leaguer and for for three different reasons brewers fans are never happy with the production (laughs) that they're getting out of josh Hader. it's one of the weirdest things (laughs) well my guess is to see it my guess is people's you know you, you see a talent like that and early on in his career you think well i mean why only have him as a closer? A guy who throws like that? But, I mean, come on. I mean, so it's it's kind of like this shiny new toy, and I want to see it out there more often than one inning as needed. And then you're right. As, as he has, as his career has continued to blossom and grow and things like that, it, um, but a lot of that goes to the, a lot of that goes to the, second guessing of a manager and when to use him and when not to use him and things like that. By the way, speaking of hater, I was thinking about this. Have you seen yet any kind of large scale statistical comparisons to him and other great closers of all time in terms of, I don't know, maybe a two or a three year window, a snapshot. I feel like we are at that moment now with his continued excellence where I need some sort of historical context of what we're seeing here. Like I I realize how special he is just in terms of a brewer in my lifetime, but I I would really be interested to see something grander in in terms of a comparison on a scale with other closers in a, would you, would would you agree like a three year or four year window? Although in 18, he was, he was was he close? Yeah, he was closing in eighteen, wasn't he? Or was he setting up? So he was closing in eighteen. Yeah, so was that's he setting up. Uh, twenty was was that was Knable. Yeah, that was still Knable and Jeffress. So it was like he yeah. on, on nights he was available, he might go get yeah. you the final out of the seventh and then cover the eighth and ninth, and then he's not available for two days, and then there's a day that Jeffress isn't available, yeah. so he's going to cover the eighth and Knable's going to cover the ninth. Like that's the. So I think the like the two, you know, and then you have the sixty game season in there. So that throws a wrench into what you're talking about as well. Like he mm. is as dominant as any closer 
basically ever right now. We're talking like Mariano Rivera type stuff here. But the problem is, like he he hasn't always been the conventional closer. His role has been so weird throughout his career. It's hard to compare his career numbers to other players' career numbers, but it's not hard to look at like all these milestones that keep happening. You know, he's right. fastest guy to get to this many strikeouts and first guy to have th- this many consecutive outings. Like he set another record on, on Sunday with that, with the consecutive outings. Um, so, I mean, you see that stuff, but I do think it is more of a challenge because of how odd his career has been to do as much comparison work as maybe you would like to see mm-hmm. happen. True, yeah. I guess you're right about that. You're right about that. What, in terms of his future, I had a debate. You know, I'll, I'll throw one at you. I had a debate with somebody this past week that made the case for him being moved this next offseason for a significant offense for, for a bat yeah. in essence. Is that something that you've heard as well? Is that like a little scuttlebutt like that, that two, could be a possibility, maybe with Devin Williams then getting the promotion to the to the closer role? So two years ago I would have told you he's not gonna be here right now, and I obviously would have been wrong on that. Um I've always thought that like at some point, because of how much money he's going to get paid his mm-hmm. value to the Brewers is actually more to as a member of another team. Like at some point, he is going to contain such a high percentage of the overall payroll that as a closer, it just doesn't make sense anymore. So moving mm-hmm. him and getting something big in exchange for him would work. And mm-hmm. part of the problem with that is years of club control keep going down. So his value to other teams drops every day that the Brewers have him because the club control is one day less. So I still, I don't know when they move him. I don't know how they move him. I don't get the sense that he's going to take a big discount to stay a Brewer. Uh, If he does, that's great, and David Stern should certainly engage his representation on that. Uh, But at some point, it feels like you don't want him to walk away from the Brewers and you get nothing for him. That being said, if you keep him and you win the World Series and then he walks away and you get nothing for him, everybody's going to sit there and say, okay, that was worth it because we've got a parade down Wisconsin Avenue. Right, right. What what does he have left contract wise? I think next I can I'll look it up as we're talking off the top sure. of my head. I believe next year is the last year of club control on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that arbitration was last season, right? Yeah, going into last season, you go through th- you know you go through like three years of club control, and then you have three or four years of arbitration. Yeah, so twenty twenty three is his arbitration year four. And then he's due for unrestricted free agency in 2024. Okay, so they have him. Okay. He's making $11 million this year. He's going to get a substantial raise off of that in arbitration just if he keeps going on the path that he's on right now. So even next year, let's say he goes up to $15 million, and that's that's a bargain for him, but when you think about – the Brewers' payroll and what that represents. 
Um, another guy who comes on this podcast a lot, Scott, his name's uh, Jim Goulart. He's part of the fan, the team over at Brewer fan, Fanatic. He brought this up the other day, and I think he's right. This is the year where like everything lines up for the Brewers because you, you, this is the final year where you're playing all your divisional opponents as much as you're playing this year. So the Brewers have all these games against the Pirates, the Cubs, and the Reds. There are a ton of guys on this team that are going to go into arbitration and are going to get huge raises going into next year. And there's going to be some guys that are hard to keep. So it's not about it. it it's just it works out that it's going to be a lot more challenging to have this group together and to be able to do what you're doing this year, next year, just from a financial standpoint. What happens with the schedule? It's next year balanced scheduling across all of Major League Baseball. That was in the CBA, I see. Yeah, yep. Which I don't like. I, I like. No. Uh, no, yeah. I, you can make the argument that you play your divisional opponents a little bit too much. I think it's 19 games against your divisional opponents. Right. Okay. 19. You can take that down 15, 14, 13, whatever it is. But I don't want to see the team playing the Cubs the same amount as the Angels. And I, I don't know if that it is, it's going to exactly work out that way, but it's going to be close to that. Mm-hmm. Well, that's interesting. Has that ever been the case? Ah, uh, I doubt they it. Ever had that type of a? Yeah, I don't think they have. I don't think they have. I mean, when you go yeah, back you... to the two divisions, like uh, so, when you know, like when what they're in the AL oh. East, right? Like, did you, you played? Yeah. you played more teams from your div- where they were playing. They're playing the Yankees more often than they were playing the Angels, right? I. They had to have. Yeah, I mean, they they, they had to have been. You know, you bring up how everything lines up this year for the team and, and looking ahead to next year and just because of the way contracts are lined up or arbitration or whatnot, isn't there, isn't there something, I thought I remember reading some, maybe it was beginning of this year, maybe there's a report out of New York. Isn't there something in the Stearns contract as well? Yeah, so if they get to the World Series or something like that after this, yeah, I think it was the New York Post report because I mean, like the biggest question in the world is: is he ever going to go to the Mets? And the Mets have left their president of baseball operations role vacant, and their current Mm. general manager is somebody who reportedly has a relationship with Stern. So if all of a sudden he came into the Mets and and took over and became the GM's boss, I guess that that wouldn't be horribly bad for for that candidate that's that's like the scuttlebutt out of new york mark atanasio will never give any information on the stern's contract but there was a report out of the new york post i think that said there's two more years left on stern's contract maybe it was three it was either two or three but if the team wins the nlcs so they get to the world series he has an opt-out okay that's what it was but still a couple years okay yeah, but the anyway. opt out would be for this year. So if they're in the World sure. Series this year, he could opt out this off season. Which again, I think whether it's whether it's Stearns, whether it's Hater, if they somehow make themselves or if they find themselves, I should say, in the World Series, and there are rather significant changes after the season, I think uh, people would be able to cope one way or another because of whatever success they had this year. But uh, huh. The, the other side of that is, you know, they've got a guy in Matt Arnold who's the general manager that if David Stearns ever leaves, they're in a pretty good spot because Arnold's been right there shoulder to shoulder with Stearns the whole time. And I, I don't think it's a coincidence that 
there's been some times where some other jobs have been open and Arnold has stuck around in Milwaukee. Like it just, it feels like to me at some point Stearns could leave and Arnold knows that and knows the safe bet is staying here because he's going to have like this Mm -hmm. system and this program that's ready made for him to take, take over if need be. Sure. Sure. Yeah. You got to give credit, got to give credit to the organization because uh, you know, after Melvin retired and I mean, there were some risks I mean, in, in just reflecting back the last week or plus on as council closes in here on the all-time winning, winning as Brewers manager record and things like that, and you kind of start like, oh, I forgot about that and how he was already in place when Stearns came on. I mean, there were all those moments where it could have gone bad or wrong, whether it was council kind of being put on Stearns, the new guy, or, or you know, if Doug Melvin isn't quite as cordial in his moving on upper and you know up into upper management whatever the you know whatever the title was yeah. they gave him for a couple of years whatever i mean it's, it's really been a again to give credit to adonazio it's really been a, a very well-run uh, at least from the outside looking in really well-run organization in terms of the parts and i think you know we, we give praise to, to council and all that stuff but I mean, organizationally, you don't hear a lot of, I mean, I don't at least, you don't hear a lot of, you know, malcontent coming out of the organization. It seems like it's it's run certainly uh, like a tight ship. And um, I think sometimes when you look at a team's on-field success and now, the, and now the sustained success that this team has had, as we call it, as I call it, the golden era of Brewers baseball in which we live, and you look at those, you look at internally in the ownership to the to the manager to the general manager to the president of baseball. I mean, just all those things, those little things. Because, I mean, whether it's whether it's the you know fiasco in, in New York with the Mets or or any of these other organizations that man in those offices in those management upper management positions, if things are not going well there, and you got leaks and back you know infighting and backbiting and things like that. All that stuff trickles out onto the field, and then the players are being asked about it. I, I really hope, and I've thought this too, and I have not heard a lot of people talk about it. I just, I really hope people appreciate how seemingly well run and well oiled the organization is, just functionally. And Rick Schlesinger, who's been there forever, you know, from from that perspective, in terms of allowing the on-field product to be as good as it is, because that plays a role too, and it's oftentimes overlooked. Yeah. No. I agree. And that's uh, that's probably a good way to finish this off. Of course, Scott, host of WTMJ Nights, six to, night, six to nine on nights that there's no Brewers games. You've got a lot of free time these days, although you get the occasional <laughs> fill-in for uh, Scafidi or Wagner in there as well. I find a way of uh, wriggling into the daily lineup one way or another, even if there is a game. But thanks for having me, Matt. I appreciate it. You bet. Thank you. That's Scott Warris joining us here on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Always appreciate being able to uh, take some time with him. Here's what's coming up this week for the Brewers. Off day, much needed off day on a Monday, and then they're back at American Family Field for a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series against the Phillies. Should be noted, game times have now changed. We've gotten to the point in the season where with uh, school being out, the Brewers have pushed back the start time for Monday through Thursday night games. So instead of them being 6.40 starts, they are now 7.10 starts. So just keep that uh, in the back of your mind. 
mind now moving forward that uh, games are going to start at 7-10 generally, Monday through Thursday, and then uh, the one ten game uh, coming up on Thursday to wrap up that series. The pitching matchups for the Philadelphia series, game one, Jason Alexander, who's really good uh, in the first. We saw some we saw some great debuts. That was probably with the Brewers not playing very good baseball this past week. I think the the fun that you got out of Brewers baseball this past week was the various pitchers who made their major league debuts and for the most part pitched well. And everybody except Ethan Small really wasn't a prospect either. Like these are the guys who grind through whether they're undrafted or late draft picks or you know guys who are signed by the Brewers as minor league free agents those are the good stories and you see them make their debut and for the most part they pitched well so that was good to see so Jason Alexander is one of those guys he'll make his second career start on Tuesday in the series opener against Ranger Suarez Adrian Hauser against Aaron Nola in game two on Wednesday and then Corbin Burns against Zach Eflin in game number three on Thursday afternoon the Phillies just made a managerial change. I think it's a pretty normal thing in sports, whether it's in baseball and you're talking about a manager or other sports and you're talking about uh, coaches. When leadership changes are made, there tends to be an immediate bump where a team starts playing better under the new leadership and then that kind of goes away and eventually you revert back to who you were prior to the leadership change. That's why whenever... Whenever there's a new coach or a new manager that comes in, people you know jump to these conclusions early on that the last guy was the problem, and then you wait a couple months and you go, oh, okay, it's more of the same. So, but right away, you know, those first weeks after a change is made, so we'll see uh, we'll see whether or not the Phillies have a little extra wind in their sails as they come in for this Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday series. All right, that's gonna do it for this week's edition of Brewers Extras, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks so much to Scott Warris for being my featured guest this week. Thanks to you for being tuned in. We'll talk to you next week for another edition of the podcast. This has been Brewers Extras, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.